0: The
1: Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. We gather to worship God, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. We gather to worship Almighty God. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God and service to our neighbor here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, across New England at National Public Radio, 90.9 FM, WBUR, and around the globe at WBUR.org. We invite your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your decisions and self-selections of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us come Sunday. today. A word in music, we celebrate the gospel of cantata and covenant. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God. you declare your almighty power chiefly in showing mercy and pity. Grant us the fullness of your grace that we, running to obtain your promises, may become partakers of your heavenly treasure through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated we pause as our choir brings to us the Kyrie eleison, to confess together our sin, to confess individually and to confess collectively. We remember the word of the prophet, what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with thy God, and yet we know We recognize injustice in our time. We experience unkindness in our lives, and we know pride in our hearts. And so, collectively and individually, we pause to offer our prayer of confession. Let us pray. How sweet again come Sunday to feel in the heart God's love so lavish, uncritical, personal, and unearned. Beloved, if we confess our sin, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God.
2: A lesson from the prophet Amos. Chapter 6, verse 1 and verses 4 through 7. Alas, for those who are at ease in Zion and for those who feel secure on Mount Samaria. Alas, for those who lie on beds of ivory and lounge on their couches and eat lambs from the flock and calves from the stall, who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp, and, like David, improvise on instruments of music, who drink wine from bowls and anoint themselves with the finest oils, but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore they shall now be the first to go into exile, and the revelry of the loungers shall pass away. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
3: Please join me in the reading of Psalm 146 and the singing of the Antiphon. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. Oh, praise the Lord, as long as I live, I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortals, in whom there is no help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans perish. Happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord their God. Who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Who keeps faith forever. Who executes justice for the oppressed. Who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow, but the day of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord be
0: Your God will sign all generations. Praise the Lord.
4: Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Glory to you, O Lord. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and sent Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ.
1: Dr. Jarrett, dearest of friends, finest of musicians, best of colleagues, we have, again, the opportunity to listen for the divine word as it comes to us this morning through the gift of music. We are welcomed. We receive one another. We are welcomed by this Gothic nave built, its architecture meant to lift the spirit. We are welcomed by the chapel's long, now 60-year history, right here at the heart of Boston University. We are welcomed by the chapel's regard for persons and personality. Notice how large the windows to right and left, which describe people, and how relatively small are they, the lower windows, which depict spaces. It is especially today the chapel's historic and familiar love of music which gathers us come Sunday with this caring, loving community of faith and the echoes of those voices some of them set to music over time. Do all the good you can unite the two so long disjoined be a heart for the heart of the city and a service in service to the city. Remember learning virtue and piety. Be the hope of the world. Are ye able, said the master, seek the common ground. This is a day of cantata and of covenant. And our cantata today, I have learned, grew up out of a, a preparation for A wedding. It is a Pentecost cantata, but it had its roots in the preparation for the sacramental rite of matrimony. Our beloved friend and teacher, Peter Hawkins, reminds us that John Donne in 1621 preached a wedding sermon in England and preached about the power of the divine covenant, even as we today experience in body and spirit, the power of that divine covenant in our cantata. Today's cantata grew up out of a wedding moment and weddings are symbols of covenant, human, and divine. Dunn was the greatest preacher of his time as well as being a remarkable poet. And he had a way of doing things just a little bit differently. So that May Sunday, Saturday in London Rather than reflecting in the abstract about the nature of marriage or about the understanding of the church as the bride of Christ or about divine love in general for the human being in general, Dunn imagined himself in the bride's place. He envisioned himself walking forward down the aisle to meet the lamb, the bridegroom. He imagined truthfully what the townspeople would whisper about him as he came forward, look at Dunn. Do you remember what he did? Do you remember what he said? Do you remember where he failed? Do you remember all his faults? How could he possibly be worthy? And Dunn had probably seen as many weddings as we do, summer by summer, with the processional, with that threshold of the new creation, that sacramental covenant. And Peter Hawkins sums it up by saying, the Son of God as bridegroom does not care a whit about his intended sins, whether they once were as scarlet. So all the bride has to do is lose her scruples, proceed, and join in the feast to follow with complete confidence in the bridegroom's choice of her. Even if everyone else thinks the union is a mistake, Dunn concluded his sermon, the Lamb shall marry me and marry me in aeternum forever. These are the kinds of spirited words, the flame of today's cantata, which is about love. These are the words of the cantata, souls pleasing to you in faith, souls whom he has chosen as his dwelling. Who could choose a greater bliss? Who can count the throngs of blessing? So will the sight of sacrament be rewarded. Dr. Jarrett, could you help us better to hear today's
5: word in music? Well, first we should hope that you, Bob, will Confidently lose your scruples today on your birthday. So, oh, you. I, I will, you. I promise. Happy you. birthday <laughs> greetings to you. Today. Thank you. Today's music uh, is written by those two towering Baroque preachers, Heinrich Schutz and Johann Sebastian Bach, separated at their birth years by exactly 100 years Schutz in 1685 and Bach, of course, uh, no, <laughs> Schutz in 1585 and Bach in 1685, excuse me. The two pieces that we have today, Cantata 34, and then the Motet of Schutz we offer as the offertory anthem, both amplify that central Christian message of salvation for all who believe in faith and enter into covenant with God in Christ. First, let's start with the Schutz. It's called Kommen," and you can read the translation in your bulletin, a page or two hence. Um, it draws on a small portion of text from Matthew chapter 8, and it's about Jesus' encounter with a centurion. And if you recall the passage, the centurion, presumably a Gentile, comes to Jesus asking him to heal one of his sick servants. Jesus is very moved by the centurion's demonstration of faith, and after the miracle of healing, true to form, Jesus recognizes this might just be a teachable moment for his disciples. Here comes the text for our anthem. Despite the sort of gnashing of teeth imagery that's there, the scripture in its full context means that access to salvation or communion or covenant with God is available to all, even the most unlikely. Think of the woman at the well. He goes a little further here to indicate that, moreover, those who make assumptions about their salvation may find themselves in the hot seat, just as Rich man Divies did in today's lesson from Luke. Now, we can't be certain about biblical interpretation during Schutz's day, but the set of pieces from which our motet is drawn was published at the end of the Thirty Years' War, that devastatingly awful period which pitted brother against brother and confession against confession. In the Matthew lesson, Jesus clearly meant that the centurion, a Gentile, shared an equal chance at salvation. Now, perhaps Schutz in the 17th century was making a similar statement about Catholic versus Protestant. And it doesn't take any great leap of logic for us to define which divisions plague today's global community. Regardless, when we all get to meet Schutz at that heavenly banquet with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we can be sure to ask him at that point. Now to our cantata for the day. Bach celebrates this communion with Christ, this holy wedding, where Christ is bridegroom and we the church his bride and truly spectacular ways. As Bob mentioned, originally written for a wedding in 1724, Bach recasts his cantata for Pentecost Sunday in the early 1740s. Now, more than 15 years later, he recognized the superior quality of his earlier effort and found in it a text that suited the celebration of covenant, not just between two people who profess love and devotion for one another, But that this relationship mirrors the believer's life in Christ, a devotion, a love, fanned by the flame of the Holy Spirit. Music of the High Baroque is much like a Swiss clock. There's extraordinary beauty in the clock itself, its case, its facing, the sculpting of the hands of the clock. But there's a beauty that's deepened by the wonder beneath the surface and the precision, the complexities of all those moving parts. Baroque music works much the same way. It washes over us, and we can't help but remark about its beauty. But when we take it apart a little bit, we then understand its complexity and that beauty means all the more to us. As an oral guide for Cantata 34, listen for how Bach sets the words evigus, or the word for eternal. At the same time, he sets the word for fire, foyer. Listen to the flickering of the melisma and the darting line that the voices sing for that word. Notice also how Bach sets the word for ignite. In German it's entzünde, which even by the way you say it sounds like a spark igniting. The trumpet, of course, in the first movement signals the arrival of Christ as bridegroom of this most royal of weddings. The central movement of the cantata focuses on the rapture of the individual whose body becomes Christ's holy temple, or his the dwelling. There's a perfection and a naturalness of beauty here, directly from the sublimity of Eden's garden. The cantata ends in thanks and praise, but not without significant emphasis on Christ's pronouncement, peace over Israel. Today, we observe two masters whose musical settings give voice to Christ's wedding invitation, this invitation to all, without amendment or exclusion.
1: Scott, thank you so much. As you did teach us in the fine pre-worship moment of uh, teaching and learning, uh, we did understand that in Bach's time, the sermons went 90 minutes in length. But we'll save that for another day. That is, we will engage ourselves now in the covenant of the new creation, particularly to regain a sense of wonder. The world does not lack for wonders, but only for a sense of wonder. Particularly to regain a sense of our own fragility, our own vulnerability. For those of you who have experienced loss, remember Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Nothing can make up for the absence of someone whom we love and it would be wrong to try to find a substitute. We must simply hold out and see it through. That sounds very hard at first, but at the same time it is a great consolation for the gap, as long as it remains unfilled, preserves the bond between us. It is nonsense to say that God fills the gap. He does not fill it. But on the contrary, he keeps it empty and so helps us to keep alive our former communion with each other, even at the cost of pain. We have a sense of vulnerability. We also, in the beauty of this moment, have a sense of self-awareness. As Bachelard wrote, listen well, not only to the words but to the tumult that rages in your body when you listen to yourself. Let us pray. O Lord, support us all the day long of this troublous life until the shadows lengthen and the evening comes and the busy world is hushed and the fever of life is over and our work is done. Then in thy mercy grant us, we pray, a safe rest a happy lodging, and peace at the last.
0: Yeah, are
4: Peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. It is said that Bach gave us God's word, Mozart gave us God's laughter, and Beethoven gave us God's fire. But God gave us music that we might pray without words. Please join me in thanking Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett, the Marsh Chapel Choir and Collegium, for leading us in prayer this morning. We are deeply glad that you have joined us this morning here in the nave of Marsh Chapel. We hope that you will take a moment to put your name and contact information in the red pads found along the center aisle of each pew and to pass the red pads along so that we can help you get to know one another better and help you keep in touch with the life and ministry of Marsh Chapel throughout the coming weeks. We hope that you will also keep an eye to the Marsh Chapel website for upcoming activities and services uh, throughout the week and throughout the rest of the semester and for the opportunity for online giving. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
1: God, we offer our thanks for the work that lies before us, for the life we sense among us, for the love of your embrace surrounding us, and for the fellowship that guides us into the future. Bless these gifts and the givers we ask in Christ. Amen. you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever. Amen.